just want to thank everyone out there who's showed their support towards the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. And if you've got any mates out there who've uh, got a few proper true yarns and uh, or someone who you know who's a mad dog who might want to come on and spin a few to us, uh, send it through. And uh, if you do one favour for me that would be absolutely incredible, click on the proper true yarn podcast, go to your settings of that and uh, hit auto download because we all know how uh, terrible the phone service in Australia is and I hate the old episode be cut short due to um, terrible phone service. So if you get that auto downloaded, um, we'll be all good to go and there'll be no interruptions. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Did that really fucking happen? This ripper bloke called Knuckles, some call him the big knuck, spinning stories tall and true that'll make you say, holy fuck, the cities to the outback on the highway or the farm, crack a cold one with Knuckles and tell us a proper true yarn. Welcome to the Proper True Yarn Podcast, the show at which we extract the best and the wildest yarns from uh, the best people around the world. And today we're up uh, in uh, sunny Cairns uh, for a bit of a different set location and, um, with uh, Big Danny from Barnsdale. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Yeah, not a problem. Not no, a problem, yeah. mate. I, I hear you got a few, being highly recommended that you got a fair few proper <coughs> true yarns in your time, mate. So tell us a proper <laughs> true yarn, Big Fuck. Well, I'll tell you the truth, I, my life has been uh, one, one, one yarn from day one. But uh, going back a long time ago, it's when, I, uh, when I was young, I was, I was working as an electrician, apprentice electrician, and uh, my boss died in a car accident, so... Myself and a bunch of uh, local boys got together to uh, get our motorbikes and go around the world was the plan. And uh, it was great at the start. <laughs> we got to a place called Lakes Entrance, which is only 20 kilometres away from, from Bensole. And that was the first accident that happened. A guy in a car <laughs> ran over me, mate, in the, uh, in the fuel depot. <laughs> and uh, sort of kept going. We went up the coast to a place uh, near Malacuta in southeast Victoria, a place called Genoa. This bloke ran his motorcycle off the road, uh, subsequently uh, tore himself to pieces, and we, we headed up to the pub at Genoa and booked in there and he picked up a bloke who went back and got his motorcycle, took him back there and we sorted out. So we re- rebuilt it overnight the way we went. From there on, we headed up the east coast and uh, that was an incredible trip. It was uh, one, two, three, four of us. Uh, we got to a place, we got to well, Birmingham, yeah, Birmingham we got to. We got in the pub and we met a bloke there, local bloke, and he just got out of jail. Hell of a nice bloke. And he wanted to come with us. We were going around the world. He said, I'll come with you, no problems at all. So I said, well, you need something, mate. You, know, you need money, you need a helmet, you need this and that. And he left and he come back and he had a helmet and he had money and he had a, had a mink stole and some other, uh, he had a beautiful leather jacket and some other things. So... Uh, I learned later on that he'd actually gone home and robbed his mother's house. Uh, and that was okay too. But, yeah, we all headed down on Caravan Park this night and whooped it up, had a good time. He'd come down with us. In the morning, we got our motorbikes out of town and, and we said, we're going to town and get some fuel and away we go again. And uh, I said, wait up at the bridge here, mate. So we, he was up on the bridge waiting and we just drove straight past and waved to my mate, mate, there you go, and kept going. And uh, from there we went to a place called Molly Mook. And uh, we, got a, we got jobs there for about two or three days. The bloke never paid us. So uh, we did a bit of retaliation there on his business and left in the morning. Long story short, we finished up in Sydney and uh, we went to the uh, place called the Rembrandt Hotel in King's Cross, right in the middle of it. It was a, a stripper's joint across the road. And this, this bloke with us, 
he's nickname was Oily. Different silver bloke. And uh, we all hold up in the hotel. Is this the crim? Uh, no, he's not a crim. No, the, no, the fellow that got out of jail? No, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. no, we left him. Oh, you, you, you he's still home. standing on the side of the bridge. <laughs> yeah, right, OK. Poor bugger. He could put him back in jail because he went home and robbed his mother's house to get with us. But we managed to get his money and his clothes. And uh, oh, he had a beautiful big tassel leather jacket, which Oily got and he wore it. He had an old Triumph motorcycle and he spray-painted it in the backyard. It was an old chopper. It was a beauty. And, yeah, we, uh, we got up there for a while and we, we hung in King's Cross. A lot, of, a lot of things went down there. But in the end, it turned nasty. Uh, women were involved and all he said, I'm going to kill myself, he said. He said, right. So we all got outside <laughs> in front of the hotel. He got all his clothes, put his suit on. He said, oh, I go. He said, you blokes, I'm taking my suit, my clothes. You're not getting all my stuff, you know. And so he whacked the suit on and waved it down the hill. He didn't have really have plans to kill himself, but he, uh, he buggered up big time. He headed down the hill there and a taxi pulled out of a side road. He got cleaned up, bang out. So he's taken to hospital and uh, the next day the police come to the, come to the unit and said, mate, you, know, you, can, you can bail him out, $10. You can get him out of, out, of, out of jail. And I thought, well, $10 is a lot of money those days. You know, there's quite a few pies in $10. We had no money. So said, sorry, mate, don't know him. So that was that. Then we left him there. So we, uh, we headed out of there. We went over to, uh, to Bondi. Right opposite the Bondi Surf Club, there was a little double-storey place there. There was a couple of, couple of fellas in there, Jack and Tony, a couple of gay guys, and they run the show, bloody good blokes. And they give us a room up top. They had a pie shop down below. And it was great because at night time we'd sneak down and, and break in and steal the pies out of the pie. They knew we'd take them and didn't worry them, you know. And we had an old speedy toaster. You know, there's ones that they dissect. They lay them on their side. You can pull, that, pull the actual doors come off them. Yeah. We had one of these in the room. And we cooked steak on it, mate, later in the side. We dissected it. We put a bloody kettle on it. You bloody boil water on it. That kept us alive. But on top of where we lived, there was a, a beautiful, uh, like a balcony top, you know, walk outside. We looked straight down on on the surf club at Bondi. So this day, me and me three mates, we're laying up there. And at uh, night time, we watched the taxi drivers that come down Bondi Crescent and uh, pull up in front of the surf club. And they had their money bags over there the next day. Take them off, put them on their steering wheel, shooting side for a piss. So I watched this for a few nights and I thought, you know, something's going to happen here. It's an easy way in. So I got the boys because I said, right, what you need to do is this. One of you blokes go down there and under one day they had the big holes in the wall where, the surf, where they put the surf boats in. And I said, me mate, you go and lay in there. I'm up here watching. You go there, you mate, you look after, keep the taxi driving there talking to pisser. I'll give you the thing. You shoot around and grab the grab the bag off the steering wheel. <laughs> and the first time we did it, it worked beautiful. We got twelve dollars sixty. Big night. And we headed up. We headed up to the big, corner. Big place. heist. Yeah, got a big heist. We got up to the corner. A place called the Flying Pieman. The shop. They had about fifty different types of pies. Yeah, we got twelve dollars sixty with the pies. Eat a lot of them. Well, we hadn't eaten for days. We were sick. We lived on ice blocks. Yeah. So I little pies and got back, and I thought this has got to work again. So the next day we're sitting up on the top there. Down the road comes me mate. He's been let out of jail. I said, the boy said, here comes Oily. Here he is. See the big tassels on the old Triumph coming the road. The Triumph's bent up like this, you know. We waved him up. Come in here, mate, mate, mate. <laughs> up he come. First thing he said, why didn't you bail me out? 
what are you bailing me out, you bastards? You're only 10 bucks. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. No police can't know me have saw anybody. And <laughs> how much money you got? He said, oh, it's $22. I said, beauty, get her out. So we got his $22. He went to the fish and chip shop. We cut that out, got back that night, so we planned the next hoist with the, uh, the taxi drivers. So I watched him the next night again. And so the second night, there's me other way to all this. You go, Annie. We changed around a little bit. You go in the hole. You go over there. You go there. And uh, it worked perfectly again. We got, I think we got about, I can't remember, 20 bucks or something. So I thought to myself, well, it's worked good two times. I don't know if it'll work again. So we were really celebrating. We are flying high then. So a the couple of nights later, give it a bit of a break. We're sitting up top there. <laughs> and we, uh, down the road comes a taxi driver and he pulls up in the front and he makes a big deal of taking his bag off and hanging on the steering wheel and he looked around there and a couple more taxis cruised past and I thought, right, they're onto us, they're onto us here. But I thought, well, I'm not down there. I'm the one up top giving a signal. <laughs> so I said to the boys, get down there, get down there. And uh, in they come, well, my mate went inside. To, I said, you go inside, mate, and you look after keep the taxi driver in there. Well, while he's in there, he's having a piss, he went in there, well, the taxi driver grabbed him and bellowed shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> the other one came out of the hole and all he was gone. Two more taxis pulled up. And they were all they taxi drivers all directions. And they just <laughs> I pulled my head back. So basically, you know, a few floggers were handed out and uh, we, we escaped and got away. But uh, everything went downhill from there. You know, we left there and away. We, we headed north. We went to a place called Narrabri in the cotton shipping area. You know. Hell of a trip up there. Uh, the wheels fell off everything. He might finish up in jail in Long Bay, one of them. Uh, I had an accident one night in a motorbike and tried to get away. I got caught and I got in trouble and the wheels sort of fell off the whole show. We split up and went different directions. I, 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 what I love is you, you're going to ride your motorbikes around the world and you've got from Victoria to fucking New South Wales and then the wheels have literally yeah, fallen oh, off the fucking show. I'm like, I fell off the show 20 miles out of town, Lake Cypress, the one got run over in the fuel station. <laughs> and it wasn't, look, it wasn't much of a motorbike gang. It was a bunch of wankers, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, uh, the tassels. Yes. And we got it, and well, we saw me mate come up the road and his motorbike, all I could see all these tassels. I thought about the poor bastard standing on the bridge down there and down the east coast somewhere waiting to get a lift all around the world with us. <laughs> Probably the luckiest day in the world, having enough to come with us. Yeah. <laughs> but as life went on, mate, I went to, uh, we, we never went around the world, that's for sure. We split up there. One of us was, uh, had broken an apprenticeship and he, had to, he got sucked back to Victoria by his father's electrician, dragged him back down there and... Got out of there. Two of the guys joined the Navy. We three of us joined the Navy. And we all went to Watson's Bay. And uh, we had free feed, good feed, everything. We got in there and uh, and I never filled out the paperwork because I didn't really want to join the Navy. But my mates did. They got all the paperwork from their parents and so on. They got out there and moved in there. Well, long story short, they both stayed in the Navy, them two guys. I escaped. I was the only one who got out of it, really. And I went further north and got in more trouble and as life went on at uh, that particular trip, I could, I could write a book about it, but it was just some of the things that happened you don't want to talk about. You know, things, we were stuck, we had no food. We were stuck with, with never eating Sydney. And uh, behind, the, behind the hotel was one of those old-time Coca-Cola dispensing machines where you lifted the lid up, put the money in, slid the Coke down through two steel slides and pulled it out. So I went down there one night and the bloke had left the, left the lid undone, no lock on it. So... 
I got a couple of straws. I just opened ten bottles and stuck my head in there and just sucking all that coke. It was great. Yeah. So I said to the boys, you know, this, you know, this one, that's good. Well, a couple of nights later, the boys went down there and my mate's got his head down sucking that Coca-Cola out of there and the blood came around the corner and slammed the lid on his head. <laughs> and the fuck, he poked his eye out, head jammed in the bottles. And <laughs> give him a flogging again. Like, it was a horrible life. It was just went from one fuck up to another, really. King's Cross back then, mate. Tell me some fucking yarns about the cross back then. Mate, I've, I've been in the cross in today's society, let alone back fucking then. What, well, what, right what? on the top of King's Cross, I think it was the top of this, uh, there was a pub there, was called, well, the hotel room called the Rembrandt. It was across the road from the barrel, the, the barrel strip on down the road was at Taylor's Hotel on the corner. It was a pub across the road. Because the Rembrandt got burned down years later after that. But we hung in King's Cross there and then uh, the Alamein Fountain... Down there, you cruise down there and the boys would lay around there. We'd, we'd drink all night and, you know, have a good time. Because back in those days, we weren't into, into the dope or anything like that. We just we just pissheads. Yeah. And we had a good time. But King's Cross was really wild those days. You had to be really careful, really careful. And uh, one of my mates got a job there as a bouncer in one of these <laughs> bars. And, and the first night he got the shit flogged out of him, you know. <laughs> he couldn't find a way of a paper bag. That's the way it went. What was the wildest thing you would have seen in King's Cross, though, in that time? Like any shootings or anything, like anything fucking crazy that stood out to you? There was a lot of police presence there, though. Uh, there was a lot of drug, a lot of drugs, a lot of hookers, that sort of stuff. Just typical King's Cross. But I never ever saw anything really that that blew me away. Anything like that. Um, I saw a bunch of Marys one night in a bar, built shit out of each other the pool queue, and that was okay. That's, yep. you know, they, they probably fucked a couple of good pool queues, yep. but. Really, in the big picture, you know, back in those days, that was 71, something like that. It was more action out in the beaches, out around, around uh, well, <laughs> that brings back to mind. We met a bloke there, he was an Aussie, he was, uh, he was AWOL from, from the Army. Yep. And he was a nice bloke, well, he was well, as good as you can get sort of thing. And we went out to Doyle's Seafood Restaurant one night. We all had motorbikes, he had a, he had a 650 Yamaha and we went out there and we got in the juice big time. But he had grenade simulators. Uh, they're like, they look like little, like little Havelock cigarette tobacco things. You know, like pull the lid off and they, boom, blow smoke, all the rest of it. So this night we went down to was, I mean, it was uh, Melbourne Cup if We went down to uh, Doyle's Restaurant and moved in amongst the people there. And, uh, and he had me mate come down and he ripped a couple of these out, let them go outside in the, in the drinking areas. Well, that caused all hell. There's the police there in two minutes. And we tried to escape. We rode our motorbikes along the top of this stone wall in front of the restaurant. I got out, my mate got out, the last bloke, poor bugger that, uh, that uh, was in the shed, had the things. He ran off the side in and over the side in the water. He got caught. Yeah, right. Never saw him again. I uh, just seen police drag him up there, mate. <laughs> we hid over the bushes and watched. They got his motorbike out and we went home and, and so on. Fuck, uh, you've evaded some arrests. Sure did, mate. Yes, <laughs> I have evaded a lot of arrests. I'm still here. Yeah, no, 100%. The cop used to live across the road from me when I was growing up. Good bloke, detective, and he used to sit there and tell me, Danny, you were nothing but a fringe man, a fringe man. And I thought, well, that's, I didn't really know what a fringe man was. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd load the bullets, let someone else fire them, I guess. Yep. And I suppose at 69 years old, I'll still do it. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, nothing, I, nothing I hate worse than walking into a bar and there's six blokes sitting there crying in their beers. Because I'd rather them be totally arguing at each other and blueing and fighting uh, and, you know, have something to do in life yeah. rather than trying to... And I, I fire them up and I leave it. <laughs> and, then, and I just leave it, walk away from chaos. 
I do it on a regular basis. Uh, it's great. I enjoy it. I've evaded severe floggings. <laughs> I've been very, very lucky. Yeah. But I still do it, and that's life, mate. And uh, I've, had a, I've had an incredible life. I've been around the world. Just, just things... not on a fucking motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered.